Do you need help protecting your finances as you enter retirement? David Dickens of KC Financial Advisors has got you covered. Welcome to the Cover Your Assets KC podcast. Hey, welcome to another edition of the Cover Your Assets KC podcast. I'm Walter Storholt alongside David Dickens, President Wealth Advisor at KC Financial Advisors, based in Overland Park, but you can find him anywhere at CoverYourAssetsKC.com. Hey, David, how are you this week? I'm doing great uh, because we're recording this on April 19th, and yesterday was tax day. And so, (laughs) yeah, it's a pretty happy day around here. Just a little less stress, a few less questions being thrown your direction, <laughs> just a little more room to breathe now. And it's a big wad of work coming down the pipe. And, you know, you want to, as a good, as an advisor, as a good advisor, you want to be conversing in everybody's taxes. And you want to, you know, the proof in the pudding was when you see their taxes and you realize, okay, everything came out the way we expected it. So you don't really want surprises at tax time. You don't want the clients surprised at tax time. So and they were not... Man, there was there's always an occasional surprise, but it was really a very good tax year. So glad to have that behind us. And now on to the rest of the year. Fantastic. Yeah. So why, why don't we take a break from tax talk on the show today? <laughs> and uh, at, at least in terms of it being about the entire show, it, it always seems to seep in no matter what topic we're addressing. There's always an element to that. But so we'll, we'll make room for that. But uh, how about we tackle something different today? You sent me an idea for today's show about, hey, annuities. We circle around to this kind of uh, conversation every once in a while. But you see a lot of myths about annuities when you meet with people and when folks come through the door. Oh, by by the way, we should mention, uh, for any regular listeners, yeah, I sound weird. I got COVID. I'm recovering, <laughs> but I might sound weird on the next episode or two. So apologies for that. And uh, for regular listeners, you know that Walter and I are not in the same room right now. Yes, so. <laughs> I'm, I'm, not, I'm not throwing uh, antibodies or the opposite of whatever that is over at David right now. So <laughs> I, I am theoretically outside the infection window, even though I still sound pretty terrible. So hopefully I'm not, uh, not too contagious to anybody that's around me. But in any event, uh, annuity myths, back on track. Uh, you get a lot of them coming through your door. So you've helped us boil down to a list of five annuity myths that... I I'd be willing to guess uh, some of our listeners probably believe in some of these myths, David. I would think so. They're they're pretty common. People either come into my office and they hate annuities or they love annuities, and there's not really a middle ground. Mm. And I think what you want in an advisor or somebody helping you with your money is somebody that is agnostic to the whole thing. It's just another tool to try to get you to where you're going. So annuities are neither good nor bad. They might not be right for you, but they might be the perfect thing for you. And understanding them and knocking out some of these myths, I think will be, I hope will be a really helpful 20 minute podcast. So um, what I wanted to do first, before we get into myth one, is just knock out a quick little definition to say that I put annuities into three different buckets, immediate annuities, fixed annuities, and variable annuities. You know, there are various ways to categorize them, but this these make sense to me. So an immediate annuity is just, it's like when you start your pension. A pension is an immediate annuity. It starts paying you, you've been putting money in all these years. Somebody has, your company or et cetera. And then you just start getting a monthly income. For how long? For your life. And when your life is done, the annuity is done. You can make some nuanced choices there, but basically that's the way an annuity, an immediate annuity works. A fixed annuity, those are, those are akin to, analogous to a, a bank CD. 
except that they are issued by and guaranteed by the insurance company that issues them. So usually those are just fixed rate, fixed term investments. Sometimes they're tied to an index. You can get kind of fancy ways to earn your interest, but you can get them super plain vanilla. And then variable annuities are the interest that you earn on variable annuities are tied to these sub accounts that look a lot like mutual funds. And so it's kind of a smashing together of the investment world and the safe insurance world. So that's that's what we're talking about today and how these myths apply to immediate annuities, fixed annuities, and variable annuities. Very good. We have covered this annuity conversation before on the show in a different light. And so we'll link to this in the description in the show notes section of today's program. We'll link to two previous episodes that we've done about annuities. One of them just goes into even further detail about the different types of annuities that David was just describing and talking about. So that's episode 83. Definitely a ways back, David, but I think most of the information... (laughs) Back in that episode is probably still pertinent today, but listen to it in that context, the fact that that might be just a little bit older. And then episode 138 was a really good one. It was three questions to ask before you buy an annuity or your next annuity. So that's a really good one as well. We'll link to both of those in the description of today's show for you. But let's dive into the five annuity myths that you hear all the time, David, and uh, break these down one by one. First one on the list is that the insurance company, hey, this is a big knock against annuities, right? The insurance company is going to keep all of the money after I die. That's a big concern people have. Yeah. And so if you're buying an immediate annuity, well, that's true. About four, last time I saw statistics on this, about 4% of the annuities sold in America are immediate annuities. And that's just somebody who wants to give the life insurance company a pot of money, 50 grand, 100 grand, 500 grand, whatever that number is. And they just say, hey, pay me out. Tell me exactly how much you're going to give me each month and do that until I die. And after I die, I realize that I'm not going to get any more money and neither are my heirs. That's an immediate annuity. And it's just a contract you're setting up with an insurance company. In that case, it's true. Now, why do they keep that money after you die? That seems kind of cold and cruel. Right. It doesn't seem right. It doesn't seem right, except when you think about it this way. The insurance company is writing thousands of these contracts and they don't know how long you are going to live. But they do know on average, how long a person similarly situated to you is going to live. So let's say they've got a pot of a thousand people who are 66 years old and they're male. Well, the actuaries, they can pretty much figure that out based on life expectancy. So what they know is that some people, some of these people are going to drop dead at 72 and others are going to live to 92. So what you need to understand is the insurance company isn't isn't just dancing in the streets when you die at 72. They know that they've got to reserve that extra of your money for the person who lives to 92 or 94 or 96 or 103. So they're not trying to, you know, to use a kind of a crass term, they're not trying to rip your face off with this type of contract. They're saying, we want our return out of this to make our company profitable. And put away the reserves we need to put away. And then, since it's a competitive world for immediate annuities, we want to give the most monthly income we can afford to give so that we beat the insurance company down the street. 
it's a very competitive business. You obviously need to shop around, um, but that's why they keep the money after you die. It's because they're going to need it for somebody else that lives longer than you do. So that's an immediate annuity. They do keep your money when you die. A fixed annuity is absolutely not that way. You name beneficiaries when you open up a fixed annuity. Uh, spouse, kids, grandkids, your university, whatever it is. And when you die, they inherit that account value. And then variable annuities work similarly to that. You have, you have uh, beneficiaries that you've named. Those can all be done with IRAs. You could put a Roth in one, or a lot of times it's just regular old, regular old non-IRA money. So that is the answer to the myth. It's technically true. It is absolutely true with an immediate annuity and not true with a fixed or a variable. Very good. Great breakdown on the first annuity myth. The insurance company keeps all of the money after I die. A little bit of truth to that one, but still some uh, some layered myths involved as well. All right. Uh, how about our second annuity myth? Annuities are very complicated. Is that a myth? <laughs> <laughs> well, this is a mixed bag. So, you know, listeners might be frustrated and say, why did he break these into immediate, fixed, and variable? Well, because immediate annuities are not complicated. You give the insurance company a pot of money and they pay you till you die. And they tell you exactly how much you're going to get every month until the month you die. So that's not complicated. A fixed annuity is, again, analogous to a, um, a CD that you get from a bank, except in this case, it's issued by and guaranteed by the insurance company. But there are no bells and whistles to that. They pay you a almost always, that's a fixed rate of interest for a fixed period of time. And when the surrender period is over, in other words, at the point at which there are no surrender penalties, two years, three years, five years, you just get to do whatever you want with that money. So that's not very complicated unless you think a bank CD is complicated. But thirdly, a variable annuity can be very complicated. And there are also things called fixed indexed annuities that can be complicated. Those two get complicated because of riders or extra bells and whistles that you're allowed to attach to that type of contract. Things with fancy names like um, roll-ups and home health care doublers, things that provide you extra benefits, but the rules that are associated with those extra benefits can be very complicated. And the terms that the salesperson that is selling you this annuity, the terms they use are terms that, unless you've spent a lot of time in the financial business, those are terms that won't necessarily make immediate sense to you. So I think it's really important to buy an annuity slowly such that you understand exactly what you're getting. Well, that's great to know. And I think really important to keep in mind as well. So I guess like anything in life, we can make things as complicated as we want them to be or uh, keep it a little bit more, um, you know, uh, clear in our minds. So that's a good one. Annuity myth number three, David, inherited annuities, all right, inherited annuities are subject to double taxation. Well, that would be concerning. That would be very concerning. And usually the double tax, one would be income tax and the other would be some sort of inheritance tax or estate tax. Well, the reason why this is a myth 
but I'm going to put a twist on it here in just a minute. The reason it's a myth is because the vast majority of Americans will never pay an estate tax because right now the estate tax exemption is almost $13 million per taxpayer. So if you and your spouse have a big estate, but it's under $26 million, nobody's going to pay any estate tax. So that includes your, your stocks, your bonds, your annuities, etc. Not going to be double taxed. But the tax you do pay on, on an annuity is different and you really need to understand this. So here's a quick example. Because they don't, they don't receive the stepped-up cost basis upon death, like, for instance, a stock would. So I uh, had this situation with a client last year. I've changed the numbers to make them simple to understand. But here's, here's what it looked like. This particular person, his, his part of an inheritance included a $250,000 stock portfolio, a $250,000 fixed annuity, and then a $250,000 IRA that was invested in an annuity. So the answer is this, the stock portfolio, the $250,000 stock portfolio that the person who died paid, let's just say they invested $100,000 15 years ago, and now it's worth $250,000. My client, you, would owe zero on the growth because you get a stepped up cost basis at death when you inherit. The $250,000 non-IRA fixed annuity, let's just say that that was a five-year annuity that this person bought four years ago, and now you've inherited it. You don't have to wait. In most cases, this is a question you wanna know up front, but in most cases, your heir does not have to wait that extra year to get the money. Sometimes they do. But what they're going to receive is that $250,000, some of which is going to be interest that has been earned. And that interest has, is not, does not benefit from a stepped-up cost basis, nor does it benefit from a long-term capital gain like you might have in a, in a stock that you uh, inherited. What you have is the heir has to pay ordinary income tax on the interest that has been earned while that annuity has been sitting there. Once they, once they inherit it, all the prior income that it has earned is taxable at your ordinary income tax rate. And that's usually a shocker for people. They think, oh, this is going to be great. I get a stepped-up cost basis. Or they've had it for four years. It ought to be a long-term capital gain. Neither of those are true. It's not double taxation, but it's you know, pretty much the worst taxation you can have, which is ordinary income tax. And then if you inherit a $250,000 IRA that happens to be invested in an annuity, at that point, it doesn't matter whether it was an annuity or stocks or bonds or a CD. Every penny that you take out of that inherited IRA is going to be taxed at your ordinary income rate, income tax rate. Again, the worst possible tax rate. So the taxation of annuities can be a little bit difficult to understand, but they are not subject to double taxation. Okay, very good. Great breakdown on that topic. Since I promised we wouldn't dive too deep into tax stuff, I won't ask a follow-up on uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think I just violated your your little preamble there. Sorry, I got a little deep. It's only one of the, one of the five. One of the five. We can <laughs> we can work with that. 
All right, uh, annuity myth number four, David. Annuities pay low rates of return. So that is in the eye of the beholder. And the reason Mm. I say that is if you get into a fixed indexed annuity or a variable annuity and you think that that is a little bit safer proxy for a stock market investment, then you're going to be pretty disappointed because those types of annuities, after all costs and fees and indexes that are capped as far as how much they can earn, you're going to earn, historically speaking, four, five, maybe 6% over the life of your investment. Maybe less, probably not more. So if you think that you're getting a a semi-protected stock market investment, well, you're going to be disappointed. It does pay a low rate of return. But if you're looking at it as a bond alternative or as a CD alternative, well, for instance, fixed annuities right now are paying higher than most CDs. So it is the, the generic answer. Well, there isn't a generic answer like a lot of things in life. But if you are, it depends on what your expectation was going in. If you're buying a fixed annuity these days, well, all you have to do is compare it against other fixed rate alternatives because there are no changes that can be made to that interest rate while you own the product. So that way it's simple to say, am I getting a lower return or a higher return? And if you're not getting a higher return, (laughs) then I'd encourage you to not do it. Seems like a relatively simple breakdown for that one. So moving away from that myth earlier of being overly complicated, that one breaks it down a little bit easier for us, I'd say. So there we go. Another annuity myth with uh, still some nuance to some of these. I don't know if these are really fitting in as like true good old line in the sand myths, David. Um, There's a little extra perspective needed on each of these, which is helpful because it shows us it's, you know, it's got, there's some science behind it, but there's also a little bit of art to this whole financial planning thing too. Yeah. And that's, I mean, you unpack most myths and there's a little bit of truth Mm. and a little bit of not in all of them. So this real, this topic really shouldn't be much different from that. Great point there. All right, let's hit one more. Our fifth annuity myth, or somewhat myth. Uh, Annuities have very (laughs) high fees. What do you say about that? Variable annuities do have very high fees, in in my opinion. So if you're paying for an investment that has a a fee base of 1.5% to 2.5% a year, for something that's going to pay a relatively modest or a capped return, you better have some other really good bells and whistles that you're interested in if you're going to pay that type of fee. And that is the type of fee that, in, that is incurred with a variable annuity. You know, sometime in the last three years, we've probably unpacked fees on annuities and variable annuities. And I'll bet I spent a decent amount of time explaining what those fees are for, but they are really high. And so variable annuities, you got to have your eyes wide open when you go into one of those. A fixed annuity. In other words, the CD lookalike that's issued and guaranteed by an insurance company. Well, those don't have fees. So the question you'd have to ask yourself is, well, somebody's earning something. Well, of course they are. And when you buy a bank CD, is there a fee involved? No. But the rate you earn is in some, to some extent, based on the operating expenses of that bank. So if you find a bank with a higher rate of interest, it might be because they have a lower operating expense. 
they can afford to pay more because they want the business. Well, if you find a fixed annuity with a higher rate, it might be because they have a lower operating expense or for whatever reason, they want your business more. So uh, zero on those. And a lot of fixed indexed annuities have a zero cost as well. Some have fees that are assessed annually, half a percent. I don't really remember seeing one greater than 1%. But anytime you get a fee with a fixed index annuity, it's because you're paying for a bell or a whistle that you decided to have. Maybe it's a home health care doubler, which has to do with paying you extra money if you need long-term care uh, assistance or some type of lifetime, guaranteed lifetime income benefit that you chose in, consul in consultation with your salesperson or your advisor, that that was a good thing for you. But you shouldn't wake up one morning and say, oh my gosh, I'm paying a fee for this. <laughs> you should know that right up front. It's in the writing you get, but you know maybe you didn't pay enough attention to the writing. Um, but all those costs and fees are available to you right up front. And as an informed consumer, you'd want to know exactly what those are and how those are going to benefit you or work to your detriment, depending on what this type of investment is. So Walter, you know, your comment right before that was, yeah, some of these myths are, <laughs> they cut both ways. And so in general, annuities are neither good nor bad. They're neither right nor wrong. They're really just another tool that you, that you can use to build the type of retirement you want. If you have a pension, well, you already have an annuity. If you have social security, you already have an annuity. Maybe you want another one. Maybe you don't. But again, it, it's just another tool to help you create what you want. If you're, if you're just hanging wallpaper, you don't need a circular saw. If you're wiring a new outlet on your wall, you probably don't need a sledgehammer. But if you're a more a, a risk-averse investor, a more risk-averse retiree, and you're looking for reduced uncertainty versus the stock market, then one of these types of annuities might be right for you. And just to circle back to something I said 10 minutes ago, buy your annuity very slowly. Understand the terms understand what it will do for your plan and what it won't do for your plan. And then if it's right, then do it. And if it's wrong, don't do it. Great breakdown today, David. Thank you for that. And I hope everybody enjoyed these annuity myths and the conversation around them. Uh, if you, again, would like more information about annuities and hear some further explanation from David, you can go back and listen to some past episodes of the show. Over the years, we've uh, addressed this topic in different ways. So we've got a further breakdown of the different types of annuities back in episode 83, as I mentioned, and in 138. That was a good one. Three questions to ask before you buy your next annuity. And so that's uh, 138, and we'll link to both of those in the description of today's show. So go find it and uh, get some further information there if you need it. And if you have any direct questions for David or want to talk more specifically about your situation, talk about going through the planning review process or uh, ask a simple question if you have it over the phone as well. 913-317-1414 is the number to get in touch. That's 913-317-1414. Or, of course, you can check out the website for all sorts of great information at Cover Your Assets KC.com. Cover Your Assets KC.com.
David, thanks for all the help on the episode today, and uh, we'll look forward to another chat with you next week. Yeah, so so regarding next week, Walter, I am working up a topic that you're probably going to see as blasphemy or Uh-oh. just the unthinkable. Blasphemy, okay. And, and just to kind of throw a seed out here, next week we're going to be talking about some reasons why you might not want to do a Roth conversion. <gasps> not? <laughs> what do you mean, Not? I know. It's going to be a good one. I'm going to have to destroy the Roth sounder. It sounds like I don't need to have that queued up next week. My goodness. Well, just like to keep you and all of our listeners guessing a little bit. Keeping us on our toes, no doubt about it. All right. So uh, reasons to not do a Roth conversion coming up on the next edition of Cover Your Assets, KC. We'll see everybody then. Until then, have a great week. We'll talk to you next time. Investment advisory services offered through ChangePath LLC, a registered investment advisor. ChangePath LLC and KC Financial Advisors are separate companies.